right, to, so to kick things right off, according to a HubSpot sales enablement survey in October last year, of the 500 sales leaders who were interviewed, 40% of them missed their revenue targets. The report states that for business to continue to operate and grow, they'll need to address the factors preventing them from reaching their revenue targets. So today on the episode, we have um, Charles from Sync. Charles, do you just want to tell us a little bit about what Sync does? Um, yeah, hi guys. So awesome to be here today. Um, so Sync is a marketing sales technology agency that helps enable sales teams, marketing teams to grow better by leveraging technology, enabling people to do their job better um, and giving them the tools and the modern tools they need to get their jobs done in the most efficient way. Awesome. Uh, today we are also joined by James from Cradle. Um, James, do you want to tell us a little bit about Cradle as well? Yeah, sure. So, look, Cradle is uh, probably one of those tools that we hope Charles is um, using to help with some of the challenges his customers are facing. So, our goal is to basically make the phone system experience not shit, either for the customer or for the um, those answering the phone. And part of that is serving up the right information to sales leaders so that they can see what's happening on the phones and help their teams get better outcomes for their businesses. Okay, cool. So that leads us to today's episode of Turning the HubSpot Flywheel. So today we're going to be discussing what observations have you both noticed in sale leaders in 2021. So let's kick things off with Charles. So 65% of sales leaders who outperformed targets had a dedicated sales enablement person or team. Charles, a big part of what you do is helping businesses grow. What have you noticed is the best way to help businesses grow? There's two big components to this everything that you're trying to do as a business is either save them time or help them make more money so you think about your sales team um they've got x amount of hours in the in the week day the more time they are actually selling the better outcomes you're going to have so when you start thinking about a sales rep or a sales leader where is their time being spent um and you start chunking that down to admin to lead follow-up, you know, there's, and then just wasting time on the phone, potentially ringing the wrong people that aren't qualified, you can very quickly find a fair percentage of time that's been wasted. So if you were to go and look at those stats that you just read out before, I can bet you, especially with those sales enablement processes in place, that those companies have the processes and the qualifications in place before it hits the guys on the phones or the girls on the phones or, you know, the, the sales, sales people on the phone to follow things up and I can, I can bet you that that's the case and why they hit their numbers. It was interesting talking to you, we're just having, hearing you chat before, you're quite big about getting people on the same page in terms of leadership. How important is that with everyone being in line in terms of driving growth? It's massively important. So obviously we're talking here about the flywheel. So, you know, that's getting, you know, your divisions talking to each other and spinning as quickly as possible. But the other component we talk about is like vector alignment. So imagine we're rowing in a boat, you know, um, Emily, you're the cox, James and I are the two rowers. Um, if we're not on the same page, we're going to spin around and around in a circle. We're not going to row down the, you know, down the river. So when you start putting complexity of divisions, regions, states, countries into things, that alignment can be off tilt very quickly and then your flywheel won't spin. So we've got to get flywheel in place and then you need to get the alignment throughout the business working. For someone who might be listening to this and is understanding that leadership is an important thing when it comes to driving growth, 
How long did it take you to kind of feel settled in, in growing a strong leadership value amongst your team? Um, yeah, it's, that's a really interesting point. And we've worked with so many businesses that have done work in this component on their values and behaviors. You know, we've internally done a lot of work on what our values are and who we are. And then we've been working quite a lot on the behaviors that we should be running with. Um, that takes a long time to, to build. And, you know, I, th- I think one thing that is really interesting in the comment that, um, Damesh from HubSpot, the CTO said a couple of years ago is tech debt you can replace, financial debt you can always replace, but culture debt is really hard to replace and it will stem through the business. So what, where the culture starts from those values and behaviors and, you know, we're in a world that everyone is slightly unique and diversity is a real thing and it needs to be taken seriously. Um, you can't just treat everyone the same. So, um, I think that component of getting your values and behaviors and how you want to work as a business is so critical in 2021. Hey, that's really interesting, Charles. I'm, I'm keen to hear a bit about how you discover what the culture is like in the businesses that you're going into and, and whether you make sort of judgments when you go in about the leaders and then what that means for the people further down the line? Yeah, it's, um, so obviously when we are meeting with a, a prospect going through our sales process, we have a, a bit of a value alignment checklist as such. Um, it's not necessarily data driven yet because, um, you know, you, you still, you're dealing with the sales leaders or the, you know, the CEO or the marketing leaders. So you have to take a bit of a, you know, <laughs> a bit of a stab in the dark at it. But what we generally do is we'll work with them for a period of time to test the waters, to understand, you know, what they're saying to what they're doing. So that's what, when I start talking about values versus behaviors, you know, you can have a list of values on the wall, which may mean something to people in the business, but then how you're actually behaving becomes really important. And when there's a misalignment, it's, it's very obvious. And we generally will steer, yeah, we'll walk, not walk away, but we'll, we'll start thinking about other options. Do you think there's a way out for businesses that do have those cultural challenges? Um, it's a, I think it's, um, you definitely can. It's like resetting the vision. So you'll see it. I think sporting clubs are really the ones to look at for this because sporting clubs are, you know, there's so much passion behind it. People love their sport. And, you know, I suppose me is I do love my sport. You can watch externally what happens and you can pretty much see the clubs and sporting teams that do get behaviors and values working generally get the results. It's no longer the legend that, you know, the champion matters. It's, it's an all in attitude. So I think you can, but it comes, it generally comes from right from the top. So if the board or the, you know, sales leader, marketing leader or the CEO, doesn't believe in it it's going to be really hard to turn that ship so i'm I'm a big fan of bottom-up approaches with lots of things because that's where a lot of the work is done these days so top down but Mm. i think with cultures and behavior it has to be everyone on board but it's got to be led from the top so if you're seeing some of those poor cultural things what do they look like for the people at the bottom in these sales roles and you know how does that manifest yeah it's something we were talking about just at the start. The 
if you're leading, you're enabling people and empowering them to do their work and listening to them and taking that feedback. And it shouldn't be one-way feedback. There should be bi-directional feedback. So um, if there's no listening happening and it's all dictatorship, it's going to be really hard to get your bot, you know, guys on the ground doing the work. And, you know, my, through my career, I've personally loved working with the boots on the ground because you find out what's really going on. Cause it can be a long time from, you know, being, you know, most people start their career boots on the ground and they work their way through the business. Um, but when did they go back and go back on the tools as such? Um, that's why I love that show, Undercover Boss. <laughs> like you actually going back into the business and seeing what's going on. So, you know, and that I think that's a, another sign of leadership. If it doesn't matter what you're actually doing, um, you should be able to do whatever it takes to, to you know, to lead. And that's that's the way I look at it. When you um, kind of implemented those strong values and felt like it was strong amongst your team just just quickly remind us how how big is your team charles yeah so we're a small team um but we then work with a series of partners as well so you know and you're also like you're working with with other businesses that have got you know way more you know way bigger teams than your own haven't you totally so yeah we are a small team um but also the partners we work with these values become really important too so you know, with it, the pace that if you look at how quickly this space has grown and the technology that's come in, um, like if you have that fixed mindset versus a growth mindset, you're, you're in a bit of trouble. So being open to change and moving fast and failing quickly is something that I had to challenge myself with because, you know, when you come from a place where you're trying to get things right all the time, it, sometimes you've got to let a bit of that go and just move on and get on with it. Um, so, you know, from our, our level, it's taken me a long time. We work on it all the time. We review them all the time. We talk about them. Um, and we want it then the next piece is understanding what behaviors, which we've done a whole heap of work on this quarter on what behaviors we want to align with those values. Interesting. What, um, changes have you noticed in sales in the last year? Oh, there's obviously, you know, this huge quick transition. The big thing I have found, people that were already on the, you know, bought into this before COVID hit, just they were set up for success um, and they didn't have to change a great deal of thinking. The ones that still fought for change and wanted to control and not trust is going to struggle. Um, So that's where these leading indicators of your your values and behaviours become just so important because... You know, if you read the, um, you know, the, the, uh, the Nike book, the shoe book, oh, what's his name? What's that? I can't remember the exact name of it, but he. Oh, I was talking to someone about this yesterday. Yeah, shoe dog. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't necessarily agree with how he led, but he would only speak to his sales guy once, once a year and wouldn't even reply to his letters, but he got the job done. So, you know, he, he trusted that the guy was doing the job. Um, it maybe wasn't listening to the feedback that he was getting, um, but he let him go. And that's something that I think is really important. If you, if you didn't enable your guys to do their job, well, how did, what were they going to do? They were going to struggle. Yeah. I, I guess, I guess it's a conversation around 
when you say having everyone on the same page, not necessarily not always having the exact same goal in mind, but having the right attitude and the right company values to kind of kind of craft that that drive of growth. Yeah. Like the other especially with high performers, they want to win. So as a group or a team, you're flipping that mindset of you winning to we have to win. Like the team has to win. So then when problems do come up, you actually should be raising them, not bottling them up and saying, oh, you know, James didn't do this correctly. You should be like, James, here's some feedback. If we did this, we all would have done better. Or the marketing team, how about this idea? Um, so it becomes flipping that not trustworthy or the blame game into here's an idea, this would help us. How could we help you do your job better? So it just flips the whole conversation and you just get better outcomes. Done. Like that really resonates with me. Like there's, there's just I've seen so much in the past and I myself have been a leader in an organization that just got into a very sticky cultural situation and it wasn't because the people were bad and it wasn't because anyone had bad intentions. It's just because we, we really didn't have our culture really well understood and defined and we didn't have everyone aligned on what it was that they were trying to do to contribute to the team winning Uh, so yeah that individual contributor versus the team acting together is is really such an important thing and when you see everyone vanish out of the office all of a sudden yeah uh, it really if if you don't have that the um the glue that holds everything together suddenly isn't strong enough eh? yeah and and i too have had a similar situation the company had a major problem and i said oh i can help with this and my direct boss didn't like that because that was going to affect him. And it's like, well, this is a much bigger problem than just your little your, your quota. Um, so instantly, me as the person, I lost respect instantly. I'm like, oh, you don't. It's all about you. It's not about other people. I'm, I'm interested to know how you tackled that because there's always going to be one, right? So how did you kind of ta- like tackle that problem? It was interesting, that particular problem. I said I had a list of requirements and I knew that the business wouldn't give me those things so at the end of the day it was it was a problem but they didn't want to really address it i knew you know i knew i could fix it but they had to give me what i needed to do that and it just it was never going to happen so maybe i was putting my hand up to say yeah i could do that give it to me maybe my ego was talking to me then but you know i sort of knew that the business wouldn't give me what i needed to do to execute it james have you had a similar experience well, I've been at the top end of that chain and I've, I've been the one who's had to go, you know what, the, the culture does need to change and I'm the one who needs to lead this. Mm-hmm. And often that starts with a really confronting conversation with yourself mm-hmm. and then a, a period of a, a immense humility with your team. But if you're willing to go through that, the result on the other side can be like can be such a dramatic change in the way the organization runs. And I think the other piece of it, you don't, generally go through this process unless you've had some pain somewhere. You know, if it's all clean sailing and you're flying along, you you probably won't even think of this, but at some point the turbulence is going to come. <laughs> so when that turbulence comes, where do you lean into or what do you lean into? Um, and I think that's the lesson last year too is um, the turbulence came. The guys that could lean into their values, like we had some clients that they – it was all about their people, so they did whatever they could to keep everyone. didn't matter if it was a job that anyone didn't want to normally do. They're like, we'll win that job. We'll do that job because that will employ someone for another day. So 
I think that's it's 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 a really interesting one. So thinking about businesses out there that might be listening to this, Charles, who probably have good culture and they probably want to do the right things, but they're sitting there struggling because they're looking at a whole lot of things that they can't measure anymore or, or gaps in how they understand team performance and gaps in knowing how to how to motivate and measure uh, and incentivize and enable those those people on the ground doing the work. Mm. Where do you where do you start? Like what like what do you look at first? Who do you go to? It's a it's a really good question. Most will go straight to the outputs. So, you know, what did you achieve this year or this quarter or this week? Um, I think the other piece of it, if there is challenges, you got to lean into what did you learn. So, the person, the team, the division, what did we learn as a group? And is that learning being taken on or is it replicating? So, as in it keeps coming up. So, if it does keep coming up, there's something in, that's, that's not working. It's not, it's not right. Um, and then so, I suppose where I'm going with this is you've got to get to the source of it and then work backwards from there. So then you would go, you know, let's just say you've got a, um, you know, your marketing team flying and it's going really well and it's, the marketing department's really happy. They're getting all these leads, but they're not converting to customers as such. So that, that can be a big one. Um, and the sales team says they're ringing everyone and talking to everyone, but they're not getting the results. So are they really qualified? So it could be this, that sales and marketing alignment piece that is the core problem. Um, but how do you know what conversion rates through the whole customer journey is important to you and where is the actual gap? So that's what I mean, getting to the source of the problem first and then work backwards. And then you would have, you know, your leading to lag indicators through that core problem. So let's say it is the sales and marketing alignment is called that that's a problem. So you would look at something like, you know, MQLs to SQLs time between and then SQLs to first call is ten minutes, two days, two weeks. Oh, okay. That's the problem. All right. Now we we know the number. Let's then try and work on how to reduce that. And then you would high you know, work on that key metric. Um but I think the other part of it, like as a business, it's got, you know, KPIs coming out. There's so much data these days. So what does the CEO need to know? What does then the sales leader need to know? What does the marketing manager leader need to know? Who then combines the two? So there's going to be different scorecards throughout the customer journey and just understanding where the problem is and drilling into it and being able to do that. Now, goes back to your tools and technology stack that you're using if you can't track it then you need to work out how to um not and you know going back to the big brother conversation the idea is having these metrics is not being big brother as in what are you doing james it's james how can we help you with this data um or this information if i got this information for you how can we help you do your job better and when you start looking at it like that and enabling your team to go, we're not tracking you to the nth degree because it's like Big Brother. It's because we want to help you do better and then we we should all win. And look, again, I think that just comes back to having a strong cultural base to stand on 
right? If you've got that trust, you can have those conversations and, and people aren't threatened by it because it is, it is help, you know, enabling them, as you say, to yeah. succeed. I think the, the piece of it is, is enabling and looking for learnings and, you know, some of the worst, what you would call the worst meetings are the best ones. So, you know, if you look at a meeting and if you're getting good cadence in a meeting, especially a sales and marketing one where they traditionally haven't had them together, but if you have it together, it could be a really confronting and issue-talking meeting that you didn't like, but it was a very productive meeting. So that's something to just think about. If there's not issues being brought up and discussed in your and ideally solved in your meetings, then they're not real. Um, it's fluffy. Yeah. Yeah, really, really true. I wouldn't. Yeah. I would want to know how to problem solve, and and if and if I did, if if I couldn't recognise that there was a culture problem, then that's a big problem. Yeah. So that leading back to what I said at the start, like this, the bigger the problem, you know, time and money are the two components. But the bigger the problem, the bigger the money or time it is to, to, that you're going to solve. So it's problem solving. Like at the end of the day, sales leaders, marketing leaders, that that what's the problem? And where's the source of that problem and get to the root cause of it and then work through it. And they might take two to three years to fix. <laughs> like, um, because a major culture problem, that especially, you know, technology, <clears throat> you know, it's pretty easy to spin things up these days, but it's, it's easier to start than ever. It's harder than ever to scale. If that makes sense. So you just got to be patient and play the long game. Mm. Cool. cool. Hey, look, thanks, Charles. That's re- that's been really, really good. No worries. Thanks for having me, having me, guys. Thanks for listening to our chat with Charles. Uh, next episode, we're going to be chatting with Brad from Marcazine. But in the meantime, if you want to check out our previous episodes, feel free to go and have a listen. Chat to you soon. Mm-hmm.